we're talking about superheroes, Sarah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are. Heroes listen. who eat. Oh, no. First, we're going to start with YA. Listen, that's what we should do. But this is supposed to be kid-friendly. So maybe, like, I don't know, headphones maybe and kids. <laughs> oh, we're wild ones, everybody. Look, what we're tagged you? explicit everywhere. Sorry, everybody. This podcast is free, teens. This podcast is free. Also, you all know what we're talking about. It's fine. Let's talk about Generation Wonder. Barry yes. Liga. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, maybe we should say... Welcome to Faded Mates. Look at that. <laughs> We're real professionals here this week, oh, everybody. Oh, we have something to announce, too, Jen. We're a mess today. First things first. Okay. Wait, no. Welcome to Faded Mates, and then we'll announce it. Go. Uh, welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. I am Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. I am Sarah McLean, a romance reader and writer. That's not what I usually say, but we're going to go with it this time. It's all, we're all turned around because I'm excited. It's excitement. Excite, excitement turned aroundness. What are we, let's do it. Let's announce it. Let's do it. You Wait, do can it. we do it? Yeah, I think so. Is it, are the tickets ready? They will be by the time that we run this, I think. They better be now. You guys, faded mates live like really we're gonna be in a place and you can buy a ticket to sit in that same place with us and watch us and our friends talk about books listen if you are going to a polycon at the end of july or you live in the washington dc metro area at the end of july (laughs) same and or you can get to the washington dc metro area at the end of july on july 30th It's a Saturday. Mark your calendars. Jen and me and a battalion of special guests are going to record not one, but two episodes of Faded Mates live in your ear holes and your eyeballs. (laughs) It's going to be really exciting. So we are partnering with Old Town Books in Alexandria, Virginia. They're the ones who um, sell our boxes, our best of the year boxes at the end of every year. And they have found a space for us in Alexandria to have a live event. Um, details will be coming later. It'll be that evening. And we're thinking it'll essentially be like kind of two 45-minute sort of sessions. But the ticket, you'll just sit through both. And um, we're really excited about it. But there, it is a pretty small venue less than 150 seats so so get your tickets now yes because right this second (laughs) pause and go get tickets there are links right now i bet if you click the link in your podcast your podcatcher right now it'll take you to a link where you can buy a ticket it's going to be super fun all you have to do is go to the apolycon website and like check out the lineup of authors there and you'll get a little taste of like who might be there um and we're super excited. We'll start announcing guests like over the next few weeks so people can get super excited. There will be merch there, we hope. Yes. Your ticket comes with a gift certificate to Old Town Books to use on, on romance novels, either in the store or on the special Jen and Sarah Recommends table. Yes. So we're really excited. Support local bookstores. Support the D.C. metro area. Support Jen and me. <sighs> Magnificent Firebirds, unite! <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh my god, Avengers Assemble, but like a bunch of romance novel readers. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we are super so, excited about it. I did that whole thing without clipping. I want clipping is when you talk so loud you essentially like blow out the microphone. So I just I want you to know the microphone. I, I don't care. Excited. That's how excited I am. 
Listen, Eric knows what it's like when I'm excited. It gets loud in here. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So that is really exciting. So check out show notes for details. Um, If you can't make it, we will run the audio in the feed at some point. In fact, I think we're we're taking our normal season-ending hiatus in August and September. We'll probably pop it into the feed those weeks. Yes. Okay. Now, now that that's all excitement is done, let's talk about this other exciting thing that Sarah has out on the shelves this week. Yes. So I wrote a short story for a YA superhero anthology, which is very different in tone from all the other things I've written. So fun. I know. It's not historical. It's in a dystopian society where emotions, like extreme emotions, are illegal. And essentially when you turn 16, which is the exact wrong age for this to happen, you turn 16 and you get what is essentially like a Fitbit but for emotions. And it monitors your emotions. You get a cuff that monitors your emotions. And if you start to feel extreme emotions, which often turn into, you know, terrible things happening in the world is the theory the government has now. Um, Then you get found out, you get monitored, you get taken away and quote reformed. And you come back a little bit different. (laughs) But our heroine Ember discovers that she can siphon strong emotions off of people and save them from being collected and sent to to be reformed. And so she becomes a superhero superhero named The Cure. (gasps) I love it. So emo. So emo. (laughs) We went went back and forth. And then I was like, no, The Cure is fun. Like, well, it's not fun. (laughs) But anyway, and then, of course, you guys, because it's me. She meets a boy, and they have strong emotions. Oh, I hope they do. Mm, that's exciting do. and fun. Now, we here, so we have kind of a different, there's a little bit of a different setup in today's episode. Wait, did I name the book? The book is called Generation Wonder, The New Age of Heroes, and it is out this week from Amulet Books. Yeah, it's super cool. So here's the way this episode's going to work. We are about to um, have a conversation with Barry Liga. He is the editor, a friend of Sarah's, who kind of put together the anthology. And normally, sometimes we have guests at the end, but he does such a great job of setting up, like, why superheroes and romance are sometimes, like, don't really seem to mix that well together. We had a really interesting conversation. So we're going to, like, let that, so we're going to go to Barry our conversation with Barry, but then stick around at the end because Sarah and I do have some recommendations for um, romances that have superheroes that are both YA and adult, and also some comics that we really liked that might also be pretty fun. Not necessarily superheroes, but like sort of romance comics. So um, mm-hmm. everybody stick around. We have a, it's about 20 or 30 minutes with Barry, and then at the end we'll kind of turn to recommendations. Uh, our superhero powers is book recommendations tbr creators listen the best superhero obviously i mean like that's the power that's all we want in the world. especially after last week where we i mean oh yeah we just toppled tbrs i i i'm i'm guessing well we're recording this before i actually know the exact count it has to be more than 50 books that we talked about last week 69 dudes all right so all right. Take it away, Barry, and uh, we're going to have a great conversation with Barry, and then stick around for romance recommendations. Thanks for joining us, Barry. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. 
We're super excited. Um, I'm obviously extra excited because I'm a part of this really fun anthology, which we want to talk about. I thought for a minute you were going to say because we're old friends. Oh, I mean, we could do that, too. We are old friends. L- long-standing friends. I mean, Long-standing friends, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to friends who are aged. I mean... Speak, speak for yourself, Lyra. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are longstanding friends, so longstanding, and now I feel like because you brought it up, Jen, we I have to do it. I introduced Barry to his wife. Ooh. Yes, and officiated their wedding. See, she did these things, and I remember, I remember how crazy excited you were when we got engaged and I couldn't figure it out why you were so excited. And then I realized like, right, she's a romance writer. And she's like, I did it in real life. I did it in real life. life. (laughs) My powers are are supreme. Talk about a superhero. Superhero. Thank you very much. Yep. Um, So there it is. But Barry also has a very, long and varied history with comic books and superheroes. So Barry, would you talk to every tell everybody about yourself? Tell everyone what they've won. <laughs> oh God. Um, you know, I I've read comic books since I was a kid, since I was probably four or five years old. It's probably the first the first things I read, um, certainly independently. And uh and you know, most kids age out of comics. The the industry used to believe that the standard was at around, you know, 12 or 12 or 13 uh, kids would age out of comics as they began to discover other things, some, sometimes the opposite sex or, you know, the same sex. Um, although they didn't talk about that back in the 50s when they came up with this notion. <laughs> but around 11 or 12 or 13, kids would age out of comics. And what happened for me was when I turned 11 or 12 or 13, that was the early to mid 80s, which is when comics sort of grew up. It was when you had comics like Mouse, Love and Rockets, Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, these sorts of things coming out. And so each year that I should have been aging out of comics, the comics got grew up with me. They became more mature with me. And so I just never grew out of it uh, and, and just kept reading it. And then I, I worked in the industry for a while. I, I actually wrote a handful of absolutely terrible comic books <laughs> um, that we don't need to talk about. But I, I've always loved... The, the characters and the format. And I've always said that if I could draw a straight line, I wouldn't write novels. I would just be doing comic books all the time, but I, I can't draw to save my life. So, so I don't. Um, but my first novel was the astonishing adventures of fanboy and goth girl, which is about a kid who loves comic books, maybe a little too much. Um, I've written Wolverine, the flash. I wrote the origin of Thanos for the Marvel cinematic universe. Ooh. Um, I've been all over the place. I, I did. A, I finally did a graphic novel that I'm actually not ashamed of with uh, Colleen Doran, who's a New York Times bestselling cartoonist. Illustrator and actually of Generation Wonder. The cover artist and illustrator for Generation Wonder. Yeah. Uh, Sarah is holding it up. None of you can see it. But, uh, but trust me, it's beautiful. But I also just like to pretend that they were always talking to just m- millions of adoring people. It's my, <laughs> yes. my whole life. So. Your whole life. Every t- everywhere you go. All the time. Looking at the it's fans. It's great yeah. living with me. <laughs> um, I've always so, suspected that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So then, so you tell, wait, the graphic novel that you did with Colleen besides yeah. generate, well, this is not a graphic novel, but right. what is it? It's called Manga Man, uh, and the premise is that a, a character, you know, manga is Japanese comics, and uh, it has a very different sort of format and style to it than than most American comics typically, and so the the premise of the 
of the graphic novel is that a, a, a rip in reality opens up and a kid from a manga from a Japanese comic falls through it into the real world. And now he has to survive being a, a manga character in the real world. Mm. And, uh, and it's a romance. It, it, it's basically a, a gender swapped Romeo and Juliet where instead of it being their families being against them, it's, it's everybody going to this girl. Like you can't be with him. He's not real. He's a cartoon character. And, and him and his friends saying, you can't be with her. She, you know, she, she doesn't match your art style. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I, I had a lot of fun with that. Colleen and I had, had a lot of fun with that um and uh and and that you know as i say that that is something that i really enjoyed doing um but there you know i've done 20 something books at this point but you know there are a lot of comic book related ones um and then i i had this idea years and years ago to do an anthology of of new superheroes and uh and i i got to do it so we're generation wonder out on june 14th yeah so um, it's out this week, and we are really excited. Well, I was so excited. I'm just going to say, like, you emailed me, I mean, it feels like years ago. It was years ago. <laughs> it was, pre-pa- it was ago. pre-pandemic. It was a long time exactly. ago. Yeah. And you were like, I have this idea. I don't know if you're in. Do you want to invent a superhero for me? And I was like, Barry, um, are you sure you're talking to the right Sarah? Because... <laughs> um, this is not a thing that I've ever even imagined doing, but also like there's going to be, it's going to be a romance if you let me do it. And superheroes don't get to have romances generally. And I wonder if you could talk about that because that is sort of in, you know, Jen just went to see the new um, Marvel movie and she texted me and she was, she was like, I'm going to see Dr. Strange. And I replied, will there be kissing? And she was like, (laughs) What? <laughs> no. Someone yeah, but, planting but, you know, the ground, it, making out with I, cement, I can maybe. tell you that if you know if you've seen the uh, the new Doctor Strange movie, when Charlize Theron shows up in the post credits scene as Clea, she is destined to be Doctor Strange's wife at some point in the future. But well, so, I'm, looking, I'm sure yeah. they're going to sleep in separate twin beds, night like, <laughs> style. Though I was like, cool story. Uh, <laughs> Except then, Taika, then it's it's sort of great that we're taught we're doing this with you. It's prescient that we're doing this with you this week because uh, last week or maybe early this week, Taika Waititi, um, tw- there was a quote that was released about the new Thor movie where he was basically yeah. like, "It's going to be a romance. Like we're going to do kissing and thinking and feelings and all of it." I mean, you, so- you can't subtitle the movie "Love and Thunder" and then not do that you well, know i mean marvel um, would certainly yeah. at some time say hold my beer <laughs> yeah I, I think they would be like challenge accepted mr liga <laughs> but go on gary i'm we keep cutting you off and i know you. no that's fine thoughts. that's fine you know the the relationship between superheroes and romance is interesting you know first of all something that a lot of people don't know is that for the longest time uh, before any of us were alive, but for the longest time, the two biggest genres in comics were superheroes and romance. Yes. Um, and and then there was a sh- big shakeout in the 50s and 60s, and basically superheroes survived and nothing else did. And that's changing. that's been changing over the last 20 years where we've had more diversity. In, but it, it, you still, when you say comic, people tend to think comic books and superheroes are synonymous. And of course, they're not. You can do anything in a comic book. Um, I think that one of the things about superheroes and romance, not necessarily comic books and romance, but superheroes and romance, there are a couple of things that are that 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 impact the the connection there. 
One thing is that superhero stories tend to be set in the middle. They're in what I call the infinite middle. Uh, you get a quick origin story. Hey, look at this. His planet blew up. Now he's on Earth. Uh, oh, look, his parents are dead. Now he's Batman. Um, you get a quick origin, and then it's just the middle of the story, and the story never ends, right? Yeah. And romance romance is about the ending, right? Happily ever after, right? Um, romance, you know, uh, the, 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 main, the main character doesn't fall in love on page five. It takes... You know, it, it takes the book for that to happen. Since superhero stories don't end, it's difficult to have that that moment, that moment of, of completion, if you will. <laughs> no puns intended there. Um, but like or, 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 or double mean, entendres, rather. We would like rather. that, too, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but that's, why, that's why, you know, the, the superhero characters don't tend to get, to get that, that particular story. Uh, another thing is that superhero stories tend to be about self-abnegation. And I feel like romance, now I'm not as well read in romance as either of you or your audience, but my feeling is that romance is about, to, to simplify greatly, I deserve this happiness. Right, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through these trials and tribulations of the story, maybe the wrong guy at first, maybe 10 wrong guys, whatever, until I get to th- this fulfillment at the end that I deserve, this happy ending that I deserve. Superhero stories are are about denying yourself that happiness. Superhero stories are about the respo- your your greater responsibility to the world. I have these powers, therefore I can't be happy because I have to be helping the rest of the world. I am Superman. I can't marry Lois Lane because that would distract me from my mission. Um, now they ultimately had to marry Lois Lane, which I think is a big mistake, actually, uh, because the point of the character is that he denies himself that because he belongs to the world. So I think, I think that is why you don't see the level of, of, of romance that, you know, that, that you're craving, that you're aching for um, in, in superhero stories. I will say that I'm a little surprised that the movies don't do a better job at it just because the movies are very finite. We have an ending to the Tony Stark story. We have an ending to the Steve Rogers story. You know, we have their stories do end, but it really I think it does go back to this idea. You know, these were um, I'm going to be really gendered here, but these these things were created in a very gendered time by people who were actually much more enlightened uh, than you probably think, but not as enlightened as we would like. Well, that's what I was going to say. It feels like these these characters, mostly men, right, Um, Mm -hmm. are are. When you say like, oh, they they can't have happiness because they belong to the world, or they have a yep. higher purpose, right? This kind yep. of mythology of savior, yeah, and, yeah. Um, it feels like really kind of masculine and toxic in a lot. Yeah, of sure, ways. sure. Why Generation Wonder is such a joy in well, you know, with things. Generation Wonder, and I'll get back to the other thing in a second. But since you brought it up with Generation Wonder, what you know, you had mentioned like, are you sure you have the right Sarah? Because I don't know how to do superheroes. Uh, if you look at the list of people, the the 13 contributors to the anthology, I wanted people who didn't typically do superheroes or who didn't typically do this format. So I have you and I have somebody like Paul Levitz, who is known for writing superheroes, but has never written prose in his life. And I had to teach him what paragraphs <laughs> were, you know, um, and, and, oh, you know, <laughs> poor Paul, we love Paul. Paul's awesome. But, you know, I wanted to, to get these people who just weren't known for doing this 
in some way or another. And I wanted to, you know, that's a very diverse group. It's also diverse in terms of gender, in terms of race, in terms of, of ethnicity. I, I wanted broad diversity of, of all types because that's what superheroes should be. And as you say, it was typically white dudes from New York <laughs> in the 30s and 40s who created these characters and then white dudes from New York in the 50s, 60s and 70s who wrote these characters. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really wanted to do something different there. But yeah, you know, the, at the time that they were created, you have to remember the first superhero, Superman, was created by two teenagers, you know, two teenagers during the Depression before World War II. And they did such a goddamn good job at it <laughs> that it influenced everything that happened for the next 80 years in that category. You know, I mean, and the example that I like to give is Wonder Woman, because you would think if anything would break the mold, it would be Wonder Woman, because she's a woman, right? <laughs> um, and the character was specifically created for girls. You know, William Moulton Marston said, you need a Superman that girls can look up to. Ta-da, Wonder Woman. But Wonder Woman has all the same problems because her superhero-ness, for lack of a better term, um, is, is higher priority than her femaleness. So yeah. she has a boyfriend that she can't marry for the exact same reason she belongs to the world. All of the same problems, just gender swapped. And, you know, the fact that, you know, as, when superheroes first came out, they were really looked at by, by both boys and girls. Both loved them. Uh, as time went on, they became more boy-oriented. And, yeah, it's absolutely this idea that, you know, the, the thing that we saw later in Westerns in, in American culture, you know, man's got to do what a man's got to do. I wish I could stay with yeah, you, honey, like but Lone, I, I got to ride off into the sunset. Like classic yeah, hero's yeah. journey, yeah. you know, and then at yeah. the end, you're not even, you know, you, you're you so torn up by your struggles to, like, beat this big bad that you can't, you're not even capable of love anymore, right? Now you're just on the journey. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Penguin Random House, publishers of Andy J. Christopher's Thank You Next. Listen, Andy's books always have the best setups, and this is no different. This is no different. So Alex Turner, our heroine, is never the one, right? But always the next person her ex-boyfriend's date is the one. They always (laughs) leave her and get married. So she is... Determined to find why, and she and her friends decide that they are going to travel across L.A. (laughs) to find all of her exes and interview them to really pinpoint why Alex is the wrong woman, always the bridesmaid and never the bride, so to speak. But our hero, Will Harkness, who, like, has known Alex for his whole life, they're, like, family, old family friends... And he's always had kind of a thing for her, decides that he is going to uh, go with them on this journey to interview all of her ex-boyfriends. To figure out what they did wrong, right? What they did wrong. Because his whole theory is like, it's not you, it's them. Which, chef's kiss. Literal chef's kiss. Literal chef's kiss. Exactly. Well done. There's a tagline for everyone. Literal chef's kiss. This book is perfect for anybody who loves frenemies to lovers, which is what Andy really does best. And it is out right now. And we think you're going to love it. You can get Thank You Next in print, ebook, and in audio. Thank you to Penguin Random House for sponsoring this week's episode of the show. And as a special treat for Faded Mates listeners, if you hang on after this week's episode, you'll get a taste of Thank You Next in audio. 
It's one of the things that we talk about a lot on the podcast is um, Gail Carriger, who is a a romance novelist and also writes urban fantasy, um, wrote a craft book called The Heroine's Journey, where she Mm. analyzes both um, films like the Marvel Universe films and, you know, romance novels and talks about how the romance novel is almost always the heroine's journey, which is a journey toward community instead of toward, you know, individualism. And she actually calls out Black Panther as like the outlier in the Marvel Universe as like a heroine's journey concept, which of course would make sense because it is not a traditional it's not a traditionally, you know, cis, het, white dude. Well, and it's also, it, it's not a Western, it's not a Western story. Right, it, right. It's an African story. And what, you know, and one of the, the pillars of, of uh, you know, as, as the white guy here expounds on uh, African philosophy, but, you know, an important pillar is community. I mean, this is yeah. where we get the right. idea that it takes a village. You know, so, that, that's where that comes well, from. Well, I mean, the other book that's like that is Maria Tartar's. I'm, I don't know if, like, kind of. I assume actually that it's Gail Carriger somewhat based at the heroine with a thousand and one faces yeah. is like a very, like a little more about like kind of world mythology, I think. Right. So it's like a, it's like sort of looking at world mythology. At, whereas I thought Gail Carriger's was really pop culture. So like, it's very of, much about pop culture. The two of them together are like a real tour de force for like this whole idea yeah. of like heroine archetypes as being different. But it's interesting because when you come at, and I'm I'm just going to speak to my own experience writing for, this was a really, Barry knows this, this was a really like hard project for me because I was like, I don't know what, I, you know, it's learning to drive, you know, a stick essentially. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and not, you know, not just not knowing like how to do it. And, it's, and then of course doing it in 25 pages, but there is a sort of sense, and I don't want to give away the ending of my story, but like anybody who's listened who's listened to me talk and read anything that I I've ever written, like it has a happy ending, and it still right. is a middle, and so yeah. and that is because like fundamentally, superheroes deserve love too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you you talked before about sort of the the toxic masculinity of of the superhero, and I think that. Um, you know, the, the, the problem with the superhero is there's a lot of good that you learn from reading superhero comics and, but there's also a lot of, a lot of negativity that you absorb without realizing it. Um, especially as a, as a young man reading these things and, and absorbing life lessons from them. And I didn't realize it until, you know, probably 15 years ago or so when, when Mark Wade, who is, uh, one of the best comic book writers of modern times and and certainly the most influential and just a terrific writer, wrote an essay where he talks about how, you know, he'd spent his whole life trying to live up to, you know, the trying to live up to the the promise of of a superhero. And then he realized he'd absorbed all these bad things, like the idea that it's okay not to tell people who you really are. <laughs> it's right. a, it's okay to lie to the people who love you as long as you think you're protecting them. Um, it you know it's okay to conceal yourself. It's a, all these things that he didn't realize until he was you know in his 30s or 40s that he that he had just taken as 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 good. And as a result, he uh, you know it, it he, he had to unpack that and he wrote a really wonderful comic called Irredeemable about basically what happens when Superman just gets fed up and just starts killing people. And it was, it was, you know, it was the flip side of Superman is, is the God that we all aspire to be. It was what happens when that guy just has enough. He just can't take it anymore. Um, 
and he's got too much on his shoulders. And I think, you know, a lot of men think, again, it's their job to hold those things on their shoulders, but that's not good when eventually it's going to break you. And we see that all over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Patriarchy. Yep. Every day. Yep. Every day. Um, one thing that one observation I had is, you know, when it came to recording this episode and looking for like there are some adult romances that are superhero stories, but a lot of my favorite favorites are actually YA romance. So why do you think that like the young adult space is like the the romance superhero uh, kind of those archetypes seem to go together a bit better? I think for one thing is that it it sort of falls into place with the idea that superhero stories are the middle. Um, it's one thing if you're 16, 17, 18, 19 years old and you've got a girlfriend, but you haven't made a commitment and maybe you break up and maybe you get back together and maybe you date around. Um, that That's an okay story. If you're 45 and you have a girlfriend, but you haven't made a commitment and maybe you break up and maybe you get back together and all that, it, it's not, it's like, well... Okay. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Anybody can live their life any way they want, but that's not particularly romantic. Whereas, you know, you you don't think to yourself when you see a 45-year-old guy who hasn't made, you know, that that sort of a commitment. You don't think, wow, that guy's full of romance. But when you look at a 17-year-old kid, you go, eh, this could still happen. They could, they could, they, there could still be a happily, happily ever after somewhere in there. I feel like everyone's read that essay, everyone is beautiful and no one is horny, uh, yeah. right? Which is essentially yeah, yeah. like action hero, like the 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 thesis is like these superheroes, we really fetishize their bodies, but mm-hmm. they're also like completely desexualized, right? And I often give the example of like at the like the Olympics, like athletes. You know, like every year you get the story about like how many condoms are at the, you know, at the Olympic Village this year. Because <laughs> right, these are people right. that are like, they're, look at what my body can do, right? right so right. I do think I, re- one of the things I just really appreciated you saying earlier about like self abnegation versus like saying you deserve it is it's such a better way of thinking about the lack of romance and superhero stuff than just the fact that like censors in one country don't like it. I think, you know, in a lot of superhero stories, again, since the main point of the story is, you know, I I must defeat evil for whatever reason, and it's got to be me, and I'm the only one who can do it, and blah, blah, blah. The, the romance becomes a subplot. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not the point of the story. Um, you know, there are some wonderful, you know, superhero romances. Um you know, great stories. There's been some amazing superhero sex stories. Um, you know, uh, I'm thinking of uh, Alan Moore um, wrote Swamp Thing. Oh, well, I Alan say it's num- Moore's uh, books bang. Well, <laughs> yeah, I want to say it's number 35, Swamp Thing 35, but I might be wrong. It's somewhere in the 30s. Uh, right of Spring, horrible. where... Uh, you know, I'm going to put all these in he, show notes, um, everybody. Don't worry. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. I know. Please put it in the show notes. It, it, it's called Rite of Spring, and it's basically it's 20 pages of Swamp Thing and his human girlfriend. She eats one of his tubers that it grows off of him, and they have this whole psycho-hallucinatory sexual experience together. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just sure. 20 pages of that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's no plot. There's n- n- nothing happens. That That's the whole story. Um and, uh, you know, so there's, there's all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I remember there was a very controversial p- 
panel in a Teen Titans comic when I was a kid where the Teen Titans headquarters is there. It's on an island in the East River and the alarm goes off at night because some supervillain has attacked and they show panels of everybody like jumping up to get ready and they <laughs> cut to Starfire and Nightwing waking up in bed together. And, <laughs> and everybody's like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, in, in 1983, that was controversial. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. yeah. But like yeah. at the same time, and and we of course romance exploded when this happened. But last year was it? There was that story about how Batman. There was a panel of Batman going down, and then right. <laughs> yeah. And I will say something like, I literally today saw something on Instagram hashtagged heroes who eat so like i mean like that really did become canon here in, in romance yeah yeah yeah, like yeah, yeah. and goes yeah. down but like yeah. i mean it was a real thing that happened and it was funny and we all and we all like made made a joke about it but like it's a real thing that happened by the way we are definitely going to try and find that panel because i've seen it's not the it panel flies itself, by, but like yeah, a right. bunch of people then drew it and it's Terrific, everyone. A plus. The thing about superheroes, and, and you know, I said before that I was lucky because as I aged, they aged and they got mm. more mature. You have to, you do have to remember that they were originally created for children, and there is a great tension at the comic book companies that they have not. They've done a miserable job figuring out. I'm, I'm not going to defend them here at all. They've done a terrible job figuring it out. But as the audience has gotten older and as the times have changed, they have not figured out how or if these characters should change. Yeah. So they, so for example, they will make Batman darker and grimmer and more violent and messed up in his head and crazy and everything because the audience is older and can handle that. But then with typical American hypocrisy, mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You That's can't, a no, you can't do that. Yeah, you, you <laughs> can't do that. You can't do that. Um, and and again, it's and and I'm sure that they would say, that it's because well, it's character for kids, and, and and it's like oh yeah, well you know he broke come the Joker's on. neck, oh, like America. come on, like is right. that for kids? Um, and and on top of that, they would also probably say, you know, these characters, in addition to being characters in stories, are also enormously valuable licensed properties. Right. Right. You know, sure. like they like, trust me, I know this for a fact. DC Comics does not make its money on comic books. No. They make their money on the licensing on everything else. Right. Um, right. You know, on Batman under ruse on, <laughs> you know, bat, you know, plushy Batman dolls for your kids. When you put and, it that way. <laughs> and and they don't they don't want people going like, look, plushy Batman is eating out plushy Catwoman. You know, like, <laughs> you know, they don't want people doing that. Oh, I mean, it could be an untapped market, is all I'm saying. <laughs> hey, look, there are a lot of plushy, plushy fans out there. Like, I, I agree so with you. Funny. They, they could make a lot of money at that. Um, yeah. But you know, again, not to defend anything yeah. at all, because I, I think that the hypocrisy of sex versus violence is, is there. But I, you know, I'm not saying it's a good reason, but that's the reason. And uh, and and I actually have sympathy for those guys trying to figure this stuff out because it's not easy uh, to to find to find that balance. Well, and it does seem to me that then, like independent comics have right or or like freestanding graphic novels, right? Like kids aren't mm-hmm. aging out of comics anymore because graphic right. novels is such a robust and amazing like. You know, I mean, it's it's unreal how much kids love yeah. them. So I feel yep. like it, it's also, I think, potentially going to change the way because those are books that do end. 
right? Like, and so I think, like, I wonder if some of those things become more possible as graphic novels, like the rise of graphic novels as a way for kids and adults both to consume story. You know, I mean, part of the problem, too, goes back to the fact that these are valuable intellectual properties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you tell the end of the Superman story, then you've just cut off you know, a billion dollars a year in licensing. Sure. Uh, if you tell the end of the Batman story, the end of the Green Lantern story. And that's why they tell the end of these stories all the time, and then they reboot and start at the beginning again. Sure. Uh, because because they can't they, they 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 can't take the needle out of their arm. They need right. they need the drug. Um, and but you know, you whereas a romance novel is written to you know, end, with the yeah. intention of ending. Sure. You know? And maybe you spin off a, a side character into another story and then a side character from that one. But comic books never really figured out that model, um, you know, because the characters have been around for so long. But you, uh, it, with Generation Wonder, I'm holding it up again, <laughs> um, have like, have spun off, have not spun off, you've created with all of, with all of us, 13 of us, yeah. some new stories. So if you are looking for 13 new superheroes... All of them great. Um, some of them who are romantic. Um, Barry, talk a little bit about, so we know obviously the McLean story is romantic, but talk a little bit about <laughs> yeah. which other ones people are going to love. I mean, obviously you're going to love all of them. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, my hope for your audience is they'll, they'll, they'll buy it for the McLean and they'll stick around for everybody else. <laughs> uh, but uh, And Paul. I mean, obviously we're a big Paul. fan. And we're Paul, Paul, yeah, for yeah. Paul. Paul Paul's story is so good, and it's not what I expected from him at all, which made me so happy that nobody involved in this anthology gave me what I thought they were going to give that's me. That's cool. You know? That is really and that's cool. what I wanted. That's yeah, what I wanted. I wanted I to be surprised, it. and it was great. Um, so I will say, uh, Elizabeth Yulberg wrote a story, Aubrey versus the Ninth Circle of Hell, which has a nice romantic flavor to it. Girl going to her prom. There's a guy that she likes. And then, of course, supervillains invade. Um uh, that's what my problem was like. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that would have made my problem better if super villains had been. And then uh, Danielle Page writes a, a story called Something Borrowed or The Costume. And as you can tell from the title, Something Borrowed, there's got to be some romance there. Yep. It's a really fun story about a young woman who is uh, the seamstress to the superheroes. She designs and creates nice. all their costumes. Somebody's got to do it, right? Somebody's got to do it. Great. And she is in love with this guy who is a superhero, but she figures... You know, I just make the costumes. He hangs out with, you know, all these amazing super people. He'll he'll never be interested celebrity in Celebrity romance. So it's a celebrity romance. That's what it is. And then and then something happens where she has to put on a costume and they have to team up. And it's 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 great. Um there's some nice sort of uh proto-romance, I guess, <laughs> um, in Sterling Gates's story, The Night I Caught a Bullet, and also in Axie O's story, Mecha Girl, which is Exactly what you're thinking, <laughs> um, if you know anything about Mecca. Um, and, and that's a really a really fun story that, that has the beginnings of, of romance there as well. Uh, and then also, just, just to completely kowtow and, and bring us back full circle to Sarah mentioning introducing me to my wife, my wife has a story in this anthology, um, which, you know, I mean, how romantic can you get? Like, Morgan you know, I put her in my anthology. Yeah, yeah, Morgan Bain. She has a great story, Fly, Lions, Fly. You know, when I told her, and again, and as you alluded to before, it took years to put this thing together. Uh, it was much more complicated than I thought it would be, but it took years to put it together. And when I first told her, I'm going to do it, I'm, I've, I've got a few key people on board, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And she said to me, can I write a story? Because my wife is an author as well. And I looked at her because she doesn't 
she doesn't know anything about superheroes, <laughs> you know? And I kind of looked at her and went, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> like, no, I did. I was like, I mean, really? Definitely like, it was more I mean, than you know? me, let's be clear. And, uh, and, and she said to me, she said, well, it's going to be superhero cheerleaders. And I was like, okay, sold. Yeah, man, you got me. <laughs> and she wrote this really, it's this great. really cool, really cool superhero cheerleader story that, again, was nothing that I was expecting at all. And and just had had so much fun reading it and working with her on that and, and helping her edit that up. Um, and it was, it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Lumi Labs, the creators of microdose gummies. So microdosing and the concept of microdosing is commonly associated with psychedelics, wellness, performance enhancement, and creativity. And these gummies deliver the perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And I think, you know, Jen's been using them and um, Eric, our producer, has been using them. And he said that he's getting a real jolt of um, focus during the day when he uses them. Yeah, for me, I've been using them more for like my physical maladies, trying to fall asleep. I have restless leg syndrome that sometimes kicks in earlier in the day. And I found that these are like really effective ways to sort of treat those without having to take like a bunch of Tylenol or Advil. Yeah, I took one last week and it just like right before bed and I slept great. I fell right to sleep. I slept like a baby. So big fan. Microdose gummies are available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing, if you don't know much about it, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use the code FATEDMATES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. You can find more links and information in the show notes, but that's microdose.com and the code FATEDMATES. Thank you to Lumi Labs for sponsoring this week's episode of the show. So everyone, the book is Generation Wonder. It's out now. It is a collection of YA superhero stories. Um, So it's perfect for you as romance readers and also perfect for the YA reader in your life, whoever that may be. Um, But you should get it now. It's in bookstores. Barry Liga is the editor. He is incredibly talented and also my dear friend. So thanks for joining us, Barry. Thank you for having me, my friend. And you can find Barry at his website. Tell us, Barry, where that is. That would be barryliga.com. It, I made it I made it nice and easy. Very easy. Um, and you can learn all about all of his other fantastic books there. And we'll put links to everything in show notes, as always. Oh, what a guy. He's so cool, isn't he? Now yeah. you know why, why I set him up with my friend. Yes. Talk about uh, the confluence of two perfect things, romance and superheroes in real life. Exactly. Um, uh, Listen, you know what I love about Barry is it's always like the conversation never goes the way that you thought it was going to go, which is great. And also he's so he's smart about comics and superheroes the way we're smart about romance novels. And so and that's always like super fun. Yes. But also my answer to that the the pat answer in the world to why don't superheroes and romance novels go together is always like well because you can't put sex in superhero movies right right but that's like he just blew right like that's not you know for distribution worldwide like you can't have sexy times in like these marvel movies and maybe that's a little bit true but it's certainly not now i'm like 
totally a convert. Yeah, absolutely. And just really, I will say too, the whole, his whole point about a romance novel is about the ending, about the HEA and the, the superhero stories about that big middle. I was like, that is such a compelling and great argument for me. And it's one that yeah. really allows me to kind of like be at peace with, you know, different kinds of, of stories existing. Like, you know what? Hey, it's okay. Well, it's interesting because I was thinking about my story in Generation Wonder as, as he was talking about it. And it's really like, I don't want to spoil too much, but it really is an origin story. Like this, this yeah. is, especially when you're writing YA superheroes, like they're so young, you know? Yeah, right. How'd they, how'd they get there? Yeah. So one of the things I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about two potential, if you're interested though in, okay, so superheroes and comics are also, you know, like you, they're bread and butter, they're whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, Pooh and Piglet. I don't know. They just go together. And there is actually a pretty long history of there being romance comics. And if you're interested in that history, there's a pretty cool website called Sequential Crush. And um, a woman named, let me find her name. I'm sorry. A woman has put this blog together. Oh, um, Jackie Nodal. And she essentially is using that website to essentially collect the art of like romance comics from the 60s and 70s. So if you're interested, you know, sort of like now it feels like all comics are superhero comics. That's not true. We're going to talk about some kind of modern romance comics or or comics that tell like a more romantic, have a more romantic plot than just superheroes. But that's a really cool website. Also, um, Love in Panels, which a lot of people probably follow on Twitter, um, has is essentially a website that is like romance and comics, and you can sort of pick which one you want to do, and it has a great database. So if you're really interested in more in like, hey, I might really want, want more graphic novels or comics that have love stories in them, Love and Panels is just like a terrific resource in general for kind of both of those things. So there's a lot of people out there who are doing this work. I skim along the surface of comics. Mm-hmm. The recommendations we give are probably going to be cool for people who have, like, not really ever read comics before and probably real yesterday's news to people who are deep in that world. So there are experts out there who read a lot of comics who are going to know a lot more than us. But if you are interested in, like, checking some of these out, we have romance novel recommendations about superheroes and comic book recommendations that are romance Wait, I'm just thinking, like, are we just going to jump right into, I I feel like, yeah. 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 Because, you know, we did all the hard work of talking about it with Barry, so now let's, like, give some recommendations. Exactly. So one of the things that I'm really interested in when it comes to the superhero, like, archetype is how alone on an island they are. We talked about this with Barry. And what I really love about, like, conceptually about, um... What I would like to see more of, I feel like, and again, like, I feel like I'm a little baby playing in, like, the superhero sandbox over here. But what I I find, like, when I really was thinking about the superhero books that I have read that have really given me a lot of joy, not just romances, but also I have an eight-year-old who's, like, super into graphic novels, a lot of them. And, like, also, you know, for those of you who also have eight-year-olds or or eight-year-old or young kids in your life, like, there's this great superhero series called Mia Mayhem. And, like, 
she's great. She goes through Superhero Academy, and it's like the school of superheroes, and it's very fun, and they're all learning how to manage their their special powers. So, like, you know, they have, like, invisibility, but, like, it doesn't, sometimes it's on the fritz. You have to, like, <laughs> learn to control it. It's very sweet. Anyway, but what I really love about that series and other stories that I have come to, um, you know, when I was doing research for this episode was I like it when they are able to, when being with other people unlocks their powers in some way, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. so, or like there are other people in romance or friendship or community, this is like heroine's journey, right? Like actually makes their powers more powerful, more manageable, more controlled, yeah. Um, more super, right? More super. Su- superior, one might say. Nice. So I want to talk about, um, there's this great series. It's independently published uh, that it came out in 2016. It's called Fresh Romance. I'm holding up the book again. I've, I literally have never done this. It's fine. For this I'm going to do the same thing. It's okay. Because they're so pretty. The they are. They're so pretty. Yeah. Um, so it's called Fresh Romance. And um, it's published by Rosie Press, which is an Oni Press. And those are um, both independent comic book publishers. It was put together by, like, an independent comic book editor. And basically what they did is they went back to the beginning in terms of, like, romance as a comic, the the roots of comic romance, Um graphic romance and there are lots of great stories in here there's like a pride and prejudice like retelling there is you know school some set in high school you know a lot of what you would expect there's a beauty and the beast sort of retelling um some of them are really romantic or they are all really romantic they're all romances um but there's one that i literally spend I mean, I think about it all the time. It's called First, Last, and Always, and it is by Kieran Gillen and Christine Nori. Um, I think Kieran Gillen is the illustrator and Christine Nori is the writer, but I might have that backwards. Um, and essentially, it is the heroine of this story. It's four pages long. There's, It's incredibly short, and like I think that's part of why I love it so much. Um, and the premise is that... The, uh, the heroine, when she kisses somebody for the first time, also experiences in her mind their last kiss. Mm. The last kiss with that same person or their, like, last... Exactly. Exactly. So she, like, has a moment where she's, like... I, you know, so she, you know, she's at like a, she's at a party and she like has, she like snogs <laughs> with some guy in the actual moment. She also sees that like two weeks later they have their last kiss and they break up. Right. So she can see the length of the, their sexual relation or their like kissing relationship, which if you think about it is a really fucking great. Yeah. That's like, awesome. It reminds me of that Nicola Yoon instructions for dancing. Yeah. Similar, very similar. So, and then the premise, the sort of, it's like I said, it's like four pages long. It's so tightly done. And you start, and she's on a date through the whole thing with a man. And she, she tells him like, when I kiss, like she tells him what the issue is. And then she tells him that like, at some point she kissed somebody at a concert and she saw them like on their deathbed Ooh. together. And she was so wigged out by like the idea that like it was forever with this person that she ran. Mm. Right? That's awesome. And then I'm not going to spoil the ending because I hope you will all go and like find a copy. You, pr- you probably are going to have to like find an, a, an old copy of this book online. But it 
the setup, that setup is just so perfect. And she's on this date with this like great dude. And I love you know, it. at the end, yeah, it's just perfect. And what a weird and also cool, but somewhat troubling and definitely traumatizing uh, superhero, superhero power. Yeah, superpower. No <laughs> okay. I actually have a book also by that same press by Oni Press. It is called, look at me. I'm also showing it to you. It's called Aries and Aphrodite. Oh, it is so a straight up romance comic. And the plot is that Will Aries is a divorce lawyer and mm-hmm. Gigi Averell is a wedding planner. And the name of her shop is something like Aphrodite's, you know, wedding shop or whatever. So that's why it's Aries and Aphrodite. And they, okay, he has just, like, uh, he, like, they all work in Hollywood. It's L.A. So he essentially has a client who just got divorced and is, like, a letter, like planning his new wedding, right? And she is the wedding planner for the new bride. And the two of them essentially, like, kind of, it's, it's this, like, real classic romance setup. Even though he's a divorce lawyer, he believes in love, but she's uh, the wedding planner who doesn't. And mm-hmm. he is always asking her out on dates, and she's kind of always saying no. And then they essentially make a bet about what whether or not this couple, right, will really, truly, like, follow through with getting married. And, um, you know, so it's got, like, sort of, like, uh, the paparazzi. It's a little bit of, like, the celebrity stuff in the background. But it's just, like, super cute. So if you've ever thought to yourself, like, boy, I would like to read a straight-up romance, but in a comic or graphic novel form, um, this is, like, it was just, like, really charming. And I've had it for a while. I don't think it's super recent, but it's very cute. Aries and Aphrodite. I love it. So also in this book, um, in this fresh romance anthology, um, so this is, I think, volume one that I'm holding in my hand, um, but there is a great story by Sarah Kuhn. Sure. That's how you pronounce it. It is, Um, I think. Okay. And it's illustrated by Sally Jane Thompson, and um, it's called The Ruby Equation. And in this story, um, it's a, the, she's sort of a, she's a, a matchmaker with like a she has like a familiar like a like a little creature that's that's I think invisible to everybody but like is her familiar and um her power is being able to make people fall in love but she has like a great disdain for this and of course by the end of the story we all know what happens to matchmakers with great disdains for falling in love of course um but so that's really fun but I want to talk about Sarah Kuhn in general. Okay, before we do that, do you have other do you have other comics cuz I have some more comics. Do we want to do comics first, book second? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Do go. Okay. So, an, I have three more. I do not have more. That is I have this is my recommendation this volume of fresh romance. Okay. I have this is I feel like everybody's read Bingo Love, but it is so cute. And basically this I I think I feel like it came to everybody's attention because it was a really big Kickstarter. But the story of Bingo Love is um this woman is a, you know a young woman is visiting her grandmother in her like old folks home and her grandmother is a lesbian who then tells her granddaughter the story of like how back in the day in the 60s she fell in love with this woman but they couldn't be together because not only was society like super homophobic but to be black and lesbian was like even more mm-hmm. out of bounds and in the book the the two like lovers from the sixties kind of reunite and find each other. And it is just like, this is like one of those 
books that's just so like warm. You know what I mean? Like it's just like really like everybody is finding each other and it's like, you know, family and love and romance and, you know, like big extended, all that kind of good stuff. Like it's a really good book. And the one I have is called the Jackpot Edition. It has like, I think I might have actually been a part of the Kickstarter because it's, you know, it has however many extra pages or whatever. And so this is just like a really great story in general about like not just like finding love yourself or finding an old like love from the past, but just also like the fam of your family stories of falling in love, right? It's yes. awesome. So I love that. And then I I feel like everybody's read Saga. Have you read Saga? I haven't. Okay. I haven't. I'm so like yeah. comics really are my like my weak spot. They kind of, I have, like, I go in and out, but I feel like. I don't think that's the proper phrasing. Yeah, it. no. A weak spot is something you really like. Yeah. I mean, not that I don't like them, but, like, it's, like, the thing that I don't know very much about. Well, and I am, romance. I don't really either, but I, there's some that I enjoy, and Saga mm-hmm. is just, like, one of those, it's honestly, the great thing about Saga is it's been collected in books. I mean, and so now there's, like, up to, like, eight or nine, you know what I mean? So you can just get these books and read them, but basically the two um, parents are from, like, kind of two different, like, it's kind of like Star Wars meets, I don't even know how I would say it. Let me, it's, I was, like, reading up on this. It's, like, basically, like, Star Wars. It's got real space opera. And the husband and wife are Alana and Marco, but they are from, like, different races. Like, he has, like, horns, right? And she's this beautiful, like, black woman. And they have this baby. And the baby, Hazel, ends up, kind of sometimes being, like, the narrator as an adult, like, again, like, telling her her parents' story. Um, this has been an ongoing series for at least 10 years. Um, I think they're on issue 55. I'm, like, looking at, like, sort of the Wikipedia deal. But it is really great. And, again, it's, like, adventure and romance and space and this couple and the baby and all that stuff. It's great. And then the other one I want to recommend is called Sex Criminals, have you ever heard of this one? Um, no. Say more. Okay, listen. <laughs> I actually really love this this book, too, which I think is probably 20 or 30 episodes. It's maybe f- probably seven years old. I think it's a little more recent. But Susie, every time she has an orgasm, can make time stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> And then, this is amazing. And then, so, you know, she, but she's always like, well, I don't know what to do with myself until she meets John and realizes that he has the same superpower. And so they decide together to essentially have orgasms and make time yes. stop. And then they go rob banks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Obviously. I mean, obviously that's what you would do. I, I, have, I, if that alone is not enough to get you to buy sex criminals, I actually don't know. There's nothing more I can say about that. So it's terrific. It's really funny. It's like sex criminals is probably one of like my favorite comics I've ever read. I don't actually think I'm caught up. It's been a while. Now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go to the comic book store today and buy some. Okay. I love it. So those are my comics, but now let's talk about books. Okay. So, um, there are, I, I mean, as we talked about with Barry, there are not that many superhero romance novels um, because of all the things that we have talked about. Um, but I do want to, I have like several to name check series that you can check out. Several, 
at least one of which is out of print. So, you know, you got to go, you got to go searching if you're interested. But um, I want to talk about Sarah Kuhn because I feel like you can't talk about romance novels that have superheroes in them without talking about her. Agree. Um, so the series is called the Heroine Complex series. And there are now, I just realized this morning, there are six books in it. Evie, our main character, is is the um, personal assistant to Aveda Jupiter, <laughs> who is her childhood best friend and also San Francisco's most beloved superheroine. Obviously. Um, and she does not have powers until she... Um, she, like, is forced to, she, like, has to go to some event and pretend to be her boss at this event. And at this event, she it is discovered that she indeed does have powers. And she has been, like, suppressing her emotions, like, all, like, she, she refuses to have, she hasn't had sex in three years because when, here, magic orgasms. Because when she has, like, extreme or, like, emotions, her powers, like, Go on the fritz, Man, right? Yeah. She, like, shows that she has powers. So um, she now, like, it's revealed that she has powers, and then suddenly, like, she's a superhero, too. And so what, essentially, like, this is a super rompy series. It goes, you know, it goes on for many, many books. And it's Evie and Aveda are, like, working together to, like, you know, fight demons, and, like, at one point, there's, like, in one of the books, there's a, like, demon infestation, (laughs) and, like, they have to go do demon fighting, Um, and, but at the same time, um, there is a, uh, there's a love story between Eve, Evie finally, like, meets somebody who she loves, and then um, in, the, in like, one of the later books, uh, Aveda has had this, like, long-standing kind of, like, what seems like an unrequited thing with a guy for a long time, and then he, like, suddenly is no longer, like, in her life, and she needs to find him and save him, and maybe he's a bad dude now. Like, it's exactly what you want this series to be, except there's kissing and sex scenes, and, like, awesome. these two two awesome heroines are just like badass and like you know blowing shit up and then making out amazing like what more do you want i don't (laughs) want anything more that's what i want so like here is my general plea to the to the gods of film to like you know maybe set aside these like testosterone infused like intense dudes (laughs) and like you know Acquire Sarah Kuhn's books. Yeah, right? That sounds so fun. Yeah. Okay. I actually have, I can think of only two, like, true kind of superhero adult romances outside of Sarah Kuhn. Yeah. And I've talked about one before, which is Cinnamon Blade by Shira Glassman. Oh, yeah. Now, in Shira Glassman's Knit One Girl 2, the two characters bond together over their shared love of their, like, fandom, this fandom of, like, the Cinnamon Blade fandom. So then Cinnamon Blade is essentially, like, the book that these two characters, like, I love that, like, a book within a book type thing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Cinnamon Blade is in love with Soledad, And they are, but she's, like, always saving her, right? So Cinnamon Blade is herself, like, part of a superhero team. But, like, for some reason, she's always saving Soledad. Can we also say that um, the subtitle of Cinnamon Blade is Knife in Shining Armor? (laughs) Listen. Which, like, 
Yes. You yes, know please. how you read things that just like bring you joy? This book <sighs> just brings me so much joy. Like I, I love, it. love it. I love it. Right? So mm-hmm. she finally, like Cinnamon Blade and Soledad finally go out on a date. And like, you know, of course, like wacky hijinks ensue because, mm-hmm. you know, it's even possible for a superhero to date. I was on Heaving Bosoms with Melody, I think, to talk about this book. So I can put that in. Um, in show notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other one, and this one is, this is really interesting because I, when I was going back, I just assumed that this book was self-published and it actually was a, um, it was from Karina and what it is. Mm. And it was, and, but it's like from 2012. So this is like 10 years old. I mean, that is like how, uh, completely, unusual it is essentially to have um like a superhero book that i'm like yeah these ones i can think of are like super old so it's called the union of superheroes dynama Mm -hmm. and the author's name is ruth diaz and in this book um dynama is like our superhero but she has left that superhero persona aside like she used to wear like a yellow suit and be like the latinx uh like sort of superheroine because she goes through a bad divorce with her ex-husband singularity is his superhero Mm -hmm. name but he's a super villain so he essentially leaves she has twins that are like now six or seven and her new sort of superhero gig is um, called The Hidden Hand because she's, like, real under the radar. She basically goes places with her. The Invisible Woman is, like, her partner. And she, like, levitates the Invisible Woman and then they, like, fight evil. But no one really knows, like, who she is because she stays kind of hidden. She doesn't want to be in the spotlight anymore until one day she discovers that Singularity, her ex-husband, who's a supervillain, has broken out of supervillain prison and is coming for their kids. So she goes to her superhero union <laughs> and hires... Which, what, what else would you do? And I Well, there didn't used to be a superhero union. And so, you know, no one had health insurance or any kind of support or help. And so she gets a babysitter from the superhero union, a, one, a woman named Anne-Marie. And Anne-Marie comes to, like, help the kids. And listen, this is, like, a really funny scene. Like, the twins are sick. And, you know, her ex-husband is on the loose. And so she is like, oh, my God, one, like, one of the twins is throwing up. And Anne-Marie runs into the bathroom and... And TJ, who's Dynama's name, has essentially like levit. She's has a she's a telekinetic has levitated the vomit so that it doesn't land all over everything. Amazing! It's great. Amazing. And of course, she and Anne Marie have a bunch of really hot sex and find out they're in love with each other. Defeat the ex husband, save the kids and the day. It's great. It's a novella like Cinnamon Blade. It's really short. And here's my thing. I think one of the reasons these romance novels are novellas is because the thing about superheroes is like, there's all that like property destruction (laughs) and fighting, you know? And I think it's just really hard to sustain that in a romance novel. Like it just feels kind of out there. So this, I think this, I know I'm maybe talking too long about Dynama, but the thing I really also loved about it was it's so domestic It's like, Mm -hmm. what is it like to be a superhero when you're a mom? You're right, and you're you have a full time. I mean, she's like, I have a full time job, and I'm a mom, you know, single mother, and I'm a superhero. Like, I got enough shit going on, and it just feels like a very smart commentary on our times as well. 
Well, so I've got a supervillain superhero story, but slightly different. Um, I want to talk about Liana Brooks's Heroes and Villains story, Heroes and Villains series, um, which begins. Do you know about this series? I saw it, but I've not read this. So. Okay, I've read the first one, and I have the second one on my Kindle. Um, okay, so the the story, the first book is called Even Villains Fall in Love, and it's basically like if you uh, wanted The Incredibles, but as a romance novel. Um, so the hero is Marriage and Trouble, <laughs> um, except the hero of this book is a supervillain um, and was a supervillain. Super His name was Dr. Charm. <laughs> Love see, it. You know, that that tracks. Um, and But he fell in love with, like, America's greatest superhero, uh, whose name was Zephyr Girl. And now, and so she convinced him in the past to, like, give up his supervillandom and, like, settle down. And they had four kids, and now they live in, like, a perfect house in a white picket fence-style, like, situation. And she's also retired. Um, but, and he, like, works in the basement on, like, his supervillain, like, machines and also is running for president. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> it's fine. So, um, but her, she, like, is bored, essentially. Like, she's, like, she's had four kids. Like, now she's bored and she wants to go back to work as a super heroine. So, she returns to work and he's, like, what the hell? And all of the kids are showing superhero superpowers yeah. at this point. <laughs> so, like, he's, like, Mr. Mom, but super villain. Um, and now, like, has to figure out, like, his whole life. And she's like, you have to, you have to go to work. Like, you have to have a life. And he's like, well, I was a super villain, so what, <laughs> what, what life do I No, we're going to hedge fund. It's fine. Right? So he has, and then basically it's like, the whole thing is like marriage and trouble. Like, essentially she realizes that in the basement there are these machines that are like, kind of not great if you're, you know. You're, he's being super villainy in the basement, and he needs, like, she's like, I need to, we can't be together. Uh, you know, I don't even know, I don't even know who you are. Um, so off they go, um, you know, and it's, he has to learn how to, you know, feel feelings as a super villain, which, let's be honest, is like, sure, exactly what I want. <laughs> then the rest of the series, as far as I can tell, the second book is one of their daughters, who, Jen, is a teacher. Nice. By day. And then, like, has to deal with the fact that, like... So, a superhero by day, too. Thank you. Yes, I should have said that. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Um, And that second one is called Even Villains Go to the Movies. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And she can manipulate... uh, She can psychically sense people's thoughts and emotions. So... And the government is like, huh, that seems... That seems like it could be useful. So, she's on the run slash has to... Being forced to be a superhero... um, yeah. When maybe she would rather be a teacher. Of course she would. So, okay, I have one more, like, YA romance. I know I've talked about it before, so I'm just going to be very brief, but I do love it. I think it's so cute. It's called Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. and it's Oh, f- this is such a cute yeah, one. Yeah, it's the first in the Sidekick se- Squad series. And in this one, Jessica Tran is the child of 
uh, the like the superheroes in her town and she's like a high school senior and she has an internship and she falls in love with Abby who she finds out I mean it's not like really a, it's a secret to Jessica but not really the reader that Abby is the daughter of the town's super villains so they mm. fall in love it's super cute and then the one last thing I want to say is there's a couple of like kind of more like st- almost like straight novels that are kind of superhero adjacent. I know we're a romance novel podcast, but indulge me. What it, One of my favorite like tropes is like the idea that superheroes are like a capital are part of capitalism. There's some like new TV show that has this premise and that like there's like people who like work in the back office supporting them (laughs) or like, right. Like what's the rest of the world like for the normies. (laughs) And there is one YA book, which is really good, which is great called the rest of us just live here by Patrick and Ness in which like the regular kids, the indie kids in a town essentially that are just normal have to like live with the destruction of like all the superhero kids. Mm-hmm. And then a novel I really like is called The Regional Office is Under Attack by Manuel Gonzalez, in which essentially there is the regional office, like, runs the superhero world, right? Like, they're the assistants to the superheroes. And there is a prophecy that someone inside the regional office is actually like bad. And so then all of a sudden the superheroes turn on their own office and a young woman named rose has to come to the rescue and that is not a romance but it's a great novel and i really liked it so i love it that's it um i do think because barry was so great we should talk about some of barry's books yes which are um sometimes there are kissing there is kissing but none of them are like a straight up romance novel so there's The Astonishing Adventures of Fanboy and Goth Girl, which is a YA novel about, like, two misfits who um, are dealing with bullies and misfitting. Um, and then Goth Girl has her a second book, which is called Goth Girl Rising. These are really very great, like, novels about, like, being outcasts in, mm, nice. like, as teens. Yes. Um, and... People really, in my experience, being around Barry and people and young people who read, like he is somebody who like all of his books really like resonate hard with kids, um, particularly kids who maybe feel a little on the outside, which is let's be honest, most kids. Sure. Um, he also is the author of I Hunt Killers, which is basically Dexter, but for. YA. <laughs> so um, the main character of I Hunt Killer's father was a serial killer, and he is, like, coming, he, like, has to deal with a lot of that, like, generational trauma, <laughs> if you will. I love it. Um, and so he literally becomes, like, a super, uh, a superhero. Uh, um, he becomes, like, a serial killer hunter at, as a teenager. Um, so these are, and then he also is the author of many, many Flash comics. If you, if you, you or children in your life are into the flash um barry is the author of many of the modern comics the more current comics and he's generally great he wrote a book called the hive with uh his wife and my friend morgan baden who is also in uh who also has a story in generation wonder and that story was written alongside jennifer beals that jennifer beals oh oh 
And it's about a dystopian future where social media um, basically ruins everyone's lives. Oh, so. So, like, maybe not so dystopian. I know. I was like, or maybe not so fictional. (laughs) It's pretty dystopian. Exactly. So, like, the premise of that is, like, if you do something online, then the, like, other people online can, like, vote for you to be, quote, condemned and punished and cast out. So interesting. It's an interesting, like, meditation on the way social media is. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's fun. And we'll put all of these in show notes. Thank you so much to Barry for joining us. Amazing. Yes. Agree. Um, it was awesome to have you. For the record, and I, now that he's gone, we can really have this conversation. Batman for sure eats. <laughs> Does everybody remember this? Everybody, this is in reference to probably a year it, during the pandemic, so time has no meaning. Well, we did talk about this with We Mary. did, right. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, okay. I can't. I, we recorded differently. So, yeah. But we'll put those links in show notes, too. Those were some really funny tweets that people had talking about Batman. I mean, I was thinking, I was like, are there heroes who don't eat? And then I was like, would we call them heroes? See? Fair. I think not. I don't think so, either. So, there's that. And, uh, yeah, what else? Stay tuned after the episode for a taste of Andy J. Christopher's Thank You Next, which is out this month. We're super excited for Andy. Thanks to Lumi Labs and Penguin Random House for sponsoring this week's episode of the show. You can check out all of our sponsors in show notes and uh, tell us your favorite superhero stories or romance comics. We can't wait to hear more about them. Don't forget to check out show notes and all of our social media platforms for more information on how to join us for Faded Mates Live in Alexandria, Virginia on July 30th. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much. And now, here is Andy J. Christopher's Thank You Next. Audio excerpted courtesy Penguin Random House Audio from Thank You Next by Andy J. Christopher, read by January Lavoie. Alex's negative view of marriage could not diminish her love of reality television shows about the institution, like Say Yes to the Dress. She also loved The Real Housewives, but that was essentially client development work. But watching a show where two young women were emotionally abused by their mothers and future mothers-in-law while they tried on dresses that cost more than a used Toyota Corolla and made them look like cupcakes— was more relaxing than candlelight yoga. Even though she couldn't envision getting married, ever, she did enjoy critiquing the truly audacious choices made on the show. It would be bad for her reputation if people knew that she had a secret wedding dress Pinterest board. No one wanted to hire a divorce attorney with a romantic streak, so Alex kept her love for the show a secret. But truthfully... It was one of the few things that made her feel better about her own romantic track record. Even though no one had ever asked her to marry them, at least she didn't have anything with a sweetheart neckline or a see-through panel around her midriff in her history. So yeah, she loved weddings, specifically wedding dresses, but she had serious questions about them, and marriage in general. The one thing that truly bothered her on the show was how they never explained how one went to the bathroom in one of those things. What if they were sewn into the dress? Were they expected to hold it until they could take the dress off and perform their wifely duties for the first time? Alex found it fascinating 
and symbolic of the fact that, unless they won the lottery, wives weren't expected to be human beings. One of her clients had told her that she'd never taken a dump in the same bathroom her husband used after he commented on her stinking up the bathroom on their third date. Before they'd bought a house with more than one bathroom, she'd waited until she got to the Starbucks to go every morning for 10 years. As Alex sat down with her big gulp-sized glass of rosé, she was prepared to watch a 21-year-old who thought a 35-year-old who didn't have a bed frame was her soulmate. What she was not prepared for was to see a woman who looked eerily like Alex, waxing poetic about Alex's most recent ex-boyfriend. She'd met Jason speaking on a Black Law Students Association panel at UCLA Law School, featuring four Black law partners under 40. When she'd walked in and seen all six foot four of Jason, she'd been glad she hadn't found an excuse to cancel her appearance. It wasn't that she hated giving back, but she always felt exhausted after socializing with new people. She'd planned to sneak out in the first ten minutes of the happy hour after the panel when Jason brought her over a glass of boxed wine. He'd smiled at her, and the rest of the room had fallen away. They'd talked for the whole cocktail hour, and then he'd taken her out to dinner. It had been so long since she'd liked someone that she'd been a little helpless to resist him at first. Of course, that had changed later on, but she'd been intoxicated with Jason that first night. Seeing Jason on a show about weddings was doubly shocking because Jason had told Alex in no uncertain terms, multiple times during the months they'd dated, that he didn't believe in marriage. That was why Alex had started dating him in the first place. She would never have to wonder whether she'd won the lottery or thrown away her time and money for a dream that only came true for one in a hundred million. There was no danger that she'd end up hogtied in a Panina Tournay dress, later trying to furtively poop in the locker room before her third soul cycle class of the day because a man who hadn't pushed a watermelon out of his vagina thought she was too fat a month after doing so. She'd thought they were on the same page. But Jason had apparently lied to her about his aversion to marriage. As Alex watched the photo montage of his relationship history with this other woman, she started to feel sick. At some point, she put down her wine and leaned toward the television. She clasped her hands together so hard that the joints in her knuckles ached. It was better than what she really wanted to do, throw something at the TV. She didn't even know why. They'd had a nice few months together, but she hadn't been in love with Jason. They were compatible, in bed and out, but she hadn't thought about him when he wasn't around. Her feelings for Jason were warm and pleasant, but there hadn't been any passion between them. They'd parted ways amicably, and she'd thought they would both sail off into another chapter of serial monogamy. Still, she seethed as she watched this woman pick out a dress to marry a man who'd apparently changed his life plans in the nine months since he'd dumped Alex. She didn't know why, but thinking about him moving on with this woman formed a sinkhole in her chest. Instead of doing anything about it, like changing the channel, Alex sipped her pink wine and really looked at the woman who was going to marry Jason. Her handsome, financially stable, 
erudite ex-boyfriend who told her that he'd rather put his balls in a panini press every morning than spend the rest of his life with one person. And as the woman on the screen picked out a dress that was so simple and classic that it made Alex's chest ache, she realized that Jason had only had an aversion to marriage because he couldn't countenance the prospect of marriage with Alex. After the episode ended on a frame of Jason's fiance crying as her mother gave her a blank check to purchase the dress she chose, Alex turned the sound down and opened up the Facebook app on her phone. She usually stayed off it because it was for boomers and conspiracy theorists, but she hadn't given up her account because her sister occasionally posted pictures of her nieces on there. They lived a thousand miles away, and she missed them. Hanging out with them on Christmas gave her a vague understanding of why her sister had volunteered to have her vagina ripped open in order to bring them into the world. But she wasn't descending into the bowels of social media at 10 o'clock on a Friday night to admire the fruits of her sister's loins. She was on a mission, a journey, and a quest. <laughs>